Hello. Welcome to Misfortune, a financial crimes podcast. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Danger Van Gorder. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Misfortune. Uh, I mean, we're sorry. A financial mis- crimes podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said it that way. Because old timiness tends to be worth it. We're going Gilded Age. We're going robber barons, and that's when many bad things tended to happen with 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 uh, old timey money bags upon them. Yeah, uh, it all uh, stopped back then, though. Yeah, no, we Pete, licked no. that problem in the United States mm-hmm. pretty early on. I don't think anyone has done anything improper with money since at least the the, the early twenties. Yeah. At least. Oh, wait. Well, there was Here's that example. Amanda Palmer did that Kickstarter and then did a tour and didn't pay her musicians. Oh, she didn't pay the musicians. Right, right. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Amanda Palmer. I know. Do I better. like her too, but the power it'll of be asking. fine. So how have you been since, <laughs> since we recorded last? We I, recorded the oh, last episode man. in August. Oh, we banked a couple too, right? Yeah. This may be episode two, but chronologically, it may not actually be so. Right. So this is a really a real Tarantino timeline here. It's like we're like we're filming a Memento sequel. Oh yeah, Memento Mori. Fine. I it saw it fine. in high school. Became obsessed. It was the first time I realized he didn't have to tell a straight line. It was awesome. Yeah, or you can just tell a straight line and make it awesome too. That's so I, I should also say I saw Memento before I saw Pulp Fiction. So that was also another example of it. It's news timeline, yeah. No, yeah, it's, that's interesting. People that's really interesting. Mostly, it's funny you bring up getting... Pulp Fiction because we're talking about something that uh, some at some points happened in the nineties. <clears throat> I'm just trying to segue into that's what we're pretty, actually talking about right now. Pretty tenuous. But you were asking me how I was. I was asking time. how you were, and I could in trying to trying to place it. I think I'm doing pretty good as compared to how we were last time. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 I don't remember what was going on with you last time. I mean, time, listen to episode one one more time and think, oh, man, he's going through some stuff. Mm. Yeah. Add some gravity to it. A little gravitas. Were you really going through some stuff? No. I'm going through some stuff now, though. So. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Uh, it's all good, but we're here with friends, and you got a cute dog. Um, I assume there'll be cookies, because your girlfriend's the best. Like, I don't think she made cookies. Oh, man. That's like the first time in, I want to say, four or five visits that there wasn't like, hi, I just happened to have cookies. Speaking of misfortune, yeah, I'm going to mis- say that every time something unfortunate happens. That's good. That'll be the new... Tied in. This that's is... an unpopular opinion uh, for this beep, podcast. Beep, Please, have some dignity. I did that pretty well. This is a, this, this is a learned podcast <laughs> where we uh, talk about complex things. conversation. Complex things like... Blimp franchises oh and scams. I, oh, the blimp! We're talking about another crashing the blimp guy who used uh, a, a pretty strange object as the center of one of his scams. But we'll get to all that. We're talking mm-hmm. about Norman Shue. Now let's spell that one: H S U. Which I've known many people with that last name, and it's always been Sue. Right. Yeah, no. And it's confusing if you just hear those letters really quickly, and it might still be opposite in your brain because you heard shoe first, but literally capital H as in Harold, S as in Serald, and then U as in you got to be kidding me. And H S U, but he pronounces it, or I don't know, somebody pronounces it shoe. Yes. It's a bunch of nonsense. Anytime he's mentioned in the. Uh, media or interviews or anything, it's always shoe. It's real weird. It's a real Brett Favre kind of situation. Like, yeah. pick, I mean, be 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 true to your roots, sir. Yeah, you know? come on, Norm. Yeah, Norm. Norm. Oh yeah. So we know. Hey, we know your name, buddy. So one thing to know about Norman Shoe, he is inextricably tied to the Hillary Clinton campaign, or he at least was back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. When she was running for uh, president again, or she was running for the Democratic nomination against Barack Obama, right? This is this is the crying at the table, uh, and then getting a huge bump era, right? What is that? I mean, there was uh, some footage where people ask her, "What do you love about America?" And then she started crying, and it was nice. Yeah, I don't buy crying from Hillary Clinton. Yeah, under but I mean, any she got a she got a she got a boop, uh, bump in the polls around then, you know. 
And then there was this guy who stole lots of money. He stole lots of money. He also gave lots of money. Let's play a clip really quick of her. Uh, this is Hillary Clinton on a show called On This Week with George Stephanopoulos. There's another interview with her on Meet the Press, but unless you have goddamn newfangled Flash Player enabled on your browser, it won't play. So fuck you, you Meet the Press. Wait, do you not? You're have about to flash? miss out on that unpops bump, uh, baby. Yeah. We are kingmakers. Giving it to On This Week instead, which yep. probably isn't even on anymore. No, that was on this. As far as many I know, George ago. Stephanopoulos died in the 50s. So let's. Let me ask you a question about campaign finance and Norman Shu. We, we're going to show Shoe. him now. Of course, he's Shoe. the uh, gentleman who's now been arrested. You had to return about $850,000 that he raised for your campaign. That and, is, and, and I know that's that, a lot of money. Uh, yeah. You that is a nondescript money, dude right there. And, but a lot of people look at this and say Prominent they're afraid forehead. that they're going to go back to the days of 1996 where there were some campaign finance violations mm. that many Democrats Rest in feel cost Tupac. President Clinton a couple of points in the final days of the election. How do you assure them that's not going to happen again? Well, George, this uh, was an unfortunate uh, uh, situation. Um, uh, my campaign and about two dozen other campaigns uh, looked hard at... Uh, our donors, uh, we always do. We all miss this. We miss the fact that there was an outstanding warrant for his arrest. As soon as we found out, we took action. Uh, I think that uh, we've done all we can do uh, at this point, uh, including returning the money. Uh, but I believe that uh, the only answer to this entire set of circumstances is public financing, something that I strongly mm -hmm. support, that I'm going to try to do when I'm president, uh, because there is no doubt that uh, the cost of campaigns, particularly trying to get on television with our advertising and all the things that people have to do in a modern campaign, are just out of control. It's not good for the country, and it's not good for the system. Will you co-sponsor the legislation on public finance? Okay, lady. Obama yeah. has introduced? So that's her basically defending the fact that her campaign took $850,000 from Norman Shue, mm -hmm. and that became a really big deal. She does make a good point that her campaign is not the only one. Right, yeah. He donated more than a million dollars to various <laughs> campaigns. It's really weird to play yourself up as a victim when you've been given comma money from from somebody. Yeah. You know? And like, hey, it's not just us, man. These guys were con too. And we had to get that back. That's why we need public uh, campaign finance reform. And then, uh, and then they never did that. Yeah. I am curious about their claim that they didn't know he had an outstanding warrant. I mean... That is not something that you expect. Uh, at, look, I'm, I'm gonna give you a little inside, little inside nod. Please here. do, as a politician <laughs> yeah, yourself, as uh, as someone that was, um, you know, soliciting donations from, let's say, CrowdPack, you know, from the internet, what have you. There is no box that you can check when you are donating money that says "click here" if you are a scam artist. Ah, yeah. So, I mean, there's really not a lot of uh, particularly easy ways to identify something like that. But, uh, I mean, then you start moving around multiple commas worth of, worth of money, and it's at, least, it's at least important to know who you're dealing with. Yes. You know, it's, but it's that whole look at gift horse in the mouth, but quickly when they're not looking and, you know, make sure that there's some auditing going on, that it's cool, you know? And, right. And clearly there was... Uh, not a lot of that happening. No, very well story. said, Adam. Thank you. That yeah, thank you. I know that was yeah, very that was eloquent. Really concise. Me. I I agree. You're so good at that. So let's run through a little bit of Norman Shue's background first before we get into how he ended up giving eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars in shady money to the Clinton campaign. He was born in Hong Kong in 1951. Came to the U.S. at the age of 18. Eventually became a naturalized citizen. Received a computer science degree from UC Berkeley and an MBA from the Wharton School of Business. That's all perfectly normal so far. Sure. That's what a person does. It's not what I did, <laughs> but it's what no, most people do. It's okay if you, if you get a degree from Berkeley and another degree from the Wharton School of Business. Yes, no yep. one will be we're mad gonna, at you for doing either of those things. Yep. After graduating, he dabbled in several different industries, but mostly focused on wholesale apparel, as one does. Uh, he had a string of abandoned businesses, but he had a really friendly demeanor, polished appearance, and prestigious degrees that made it easy to continually attract new investors, mm. which 
We that need seems, some more degrees in this room. Speaking I don't know that we investors. need degrees. We just need the ability to pull off really effective lies about our degrees. Oh, I mean, I was actually thinking about going to get my degree, hoping that you might help me with that, which is why I'm I was thinking asking. of trying to scam people out of money. I mean, oh. that's half the reason I'm doing this podcast. It's a really long to just con. Figure, that's why I watch Investigation Discovery. Uh, is that why you're doing this thing to see? This podcast yeah. is showing you how people right. previous to now right. have been caught. And then I'm going to sell my online learn how to scam people system for $99 in like, like okay. a Carlton Sheets thing. Okay, and then... You that's could, what this is all building to. You could also consider doing presentations at uh, the Radisson, you know? Right, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, even if you fail, you'd be like, oh, I got a story for you. My name is Adam Todd Brown. I was a stand-up comic. Then I did this other thing, and it was bad, and I was caught. And now I'm going to tell you about it, and you paid money to be here. Right, exactly. I've seen The Wolf of Wall Street. It worked out for that guy. Precis- yeah, it really, really did. It works out for most of these guys, <sighs> including this guy to some extent. Mm-hmm. But, but I do, to your point, I think a personality is the most important thing in... This guy's story and the last episode we did, Lou Perlman, where it really just comes down to their ability to talk people into giving them money yeah. for stupid shit. Right. To be a con man, you have to be likable. Right. But there's also a financial component to it where with a Ponzi scheme, you're paying. Sure, but it's the foundation. The foundation is, hey, <clears throat> I like the cut of your jib. You right. Know, let, exactly. Let's talk. Let's talk. You know, a good smile opens some doors. So last episode, we had blimps and fake airplanes as the crux of the scam. This time around, Danger, can you guess what we're working with? Um, It's equally implausible, I'm sure. Latex gloves. What? And I was just building drama. We both have the same notes. But I yeah, know, but I... Latex gloves. I, I, and that's real hard to believe because those things are gross and they cost, you know, pennies a piece. Right. Who's buying individual latex gloves to tell you it's not me? And see, that, that's what I figure made this scam a little easier to pull off. Because who knows anything about latex gloves? Like, you say know. they're a penny a piece. I bet they are a fraction of a penny a piece to produce. And if this guy came to me and said, hey, I'm selling them to these idiots over here for two and a half cents each, and it doesn't seem like that much money, but if you've seen Office Space or whatever Superman movie they reference in Office Space as also using that same plan, Mm -hmm. then you know those little transactions add up. And I wonder if it's... That that has to be kind of a component of these kind of scams, too, where the thing you're selling people on... Is not something anybody's going to understand. Something that even if they look in... Like, they're not... No one's going to go, okay, well, let me go do some really solid research on the latex glove industry first. (laughs) Right. Or the blimp industry. Right. And then get back to you. Uh-huh. And that yeah, he he claimed he had a contract to resell latex gloves to major American businesses and he was able to raise more than a million dollars from his investors. People just like, "Okay, I want to give you $100,000 uh so that you can buy latex gloves and then eventually you're going to sell." Like, I can't How many latex gloves? And again, this is our own ignorance playing in here. How many latex gloves? Can you fit into a hundred grand? Like what? Like, uh, that, that well, I don't think he, like I don't think he so was just cheap. saying, "Give me a hundred thousand dollars to buy gloves that I'll resell." I think he was saying, "I have a business doing this, and if you invest in this business, you will see a return on your investment." I see. I don't think it was a direct. Like he didn't set up like a multi-level marketing company where people were just selling latex well, gloves out yet. in the community. No, not yet, but it, I'm sure it's coming. So yeah, he. After he raises this million dollars, this starts a really weird period in his life. The following year after, that was 1989, where right. he started getting investors. And getting a million dollars, that's a good place to be. Especially in 1989 money. Right. That's a little more than a million dollars today, which would still be a very handsome that'd be, amount that'd be to a crazy, raise from investors. Yes. But uh, he, the following year, he declared bankruptcy, got divorced, and was allegedly kidnapped in the Bay Area, possibly by duped latex glove investors. But he caught a lucky break when police stopped the kidnappers' vehicles for running a red light. Oh, my God. Fun fact, I looked into this kidnapping a little more. One of the people in the front seat was Raymond 
Shrimp Boy Chow. You know Shrimp Boy. How do you get the name Shrimp Boy? By being that Shrimp Boy. Ah, uh, okay. Got, got that shrimp. Raymond, if you need shrimp, you go to Raymond. Raymond's got that fucking shrimp. He was also a Chinese be- triad gang member. Oh who was indicted in 1992 on racketeering charges that included everything from underage prostitution to heroin dealing. Oh, man. Unsavory character, to say the least. A real generalist, too. So, Renaissance man. But given this guy's association, like when when they pull this car over, Shu claims he had been kidnapped by these people, but Chow said, no, he called me because he owes a lot of people money and he needed protection. So it could be that this guy was laundering money for Chinese gangs. That could be part Shoot. of... Yes. Oh, I see. I mean, Shrimp Boy, obviously. You know how Shrimp Boy does. Right. No, he dabbles in shrimp and heroin and prostitutes. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm curious as to where the kidnapping element started. Did he put that out into the universe before he started riding around with Shrimp Boy it's, there? It's unclear. Okay. Just at Which, some point, they decided, oh, this dangerous guy was sitting next to me in a car. I must have been kidnapped. Well, no, he said he was kidnapped. Shu said he was kidnapped when the police pulled him over. Oh, that's really throwing your buddies under the bus. Uh, yeah, that a little is a bit. Supreme a, dick a little move. bit. A fun side note about Shrimp Boy Chow. He, on those racketeering actual charges... Shrimp. He's an actual shrimp. Was, he was given a 25-year prison sentence. He was released in 2003... In 2006, he was awarded a certificate of honor from San Francisco's Board of Supervisors for no real reason. For for excellence in shrimp studies? Excellence in getting out of prison recently. Okay. So anyway, that, that uh, kidnapping happens in 1990. And nothing. there's not a lot of information out there about it. it kind of, the story, kind of, because it was such a long time ago, any articles you find about it now are just like, hey, remember when that dude got kidnapped? And it's just kind of a rehashing of the scant details we had back then. Uh, so it's a long, like, it's a long game of telephone. What? Like you, you tell your friend one thing, and then they tell another friend something, and then it oh. goes down, and then eventually the original message is lost. No one reported on the initial kidnapping in 1990. Yeah, it. I mean, it was reported on, but oh. it was like you have to remember Norman Shue wasn't Norman Shue in 1990. He was just a dude who was scamming people with latex glove money. There was no Hillary Clinton associations. It probably wouldn't have been that big of news. I think that even in the late 80s, uh, slash, you know... No, that's what I'm saying. They reported on it, but there was no... Like, there's not not a lot of follow-up information out there about it. All right. It's a mystery as to what happened when he was kidnapped. Okay. Or if he was even actually kidnapped. He may not have been kidnapped. It's actually a minor detail that we're getting hung up on. It's just the kind. We should of, move on. It's the kind of thing that this fellow likes to get into. Kidnap? No, just just real squirrely situations. He's got some unsavory friends. It okay. seems possibly. All right. So in 1991, prosecutors charged him with grand theft, stating that there was no evidence that he ever purchased gloves <laughs> or had a contract to sell them. Rather, they alleged he was paying off early investors with the money he raised from later investors. That's called a pyramid scheme. Yeah, that's how a pyramid scheme or a Ponzi scheme works. And uh, yeah, it's still latex gloves. I think it just has to be who knows anything about latex gloves. That's an easy Not thing I. to get scammed over. No, I'd, I'd probably invest in a good latex glove scheme. Um, mm, I think you'd rather do some Bitcoin. Well, or... let's talk about it after the podcast. Sure. Oh, you got some ideas? I got. I have. I might yeah, have some opportunities yeah, I'll, I'll for your you. Pitch. So, in February 1992, he played. He pleaded no contest to the charge and agreed to serve up to three years in prison and pay a ten thousand dollar fine. But danger. What's up? He was a no show at the sentencing hearing that le- later that year, and an arrest warrant was issued. Um, and I'm sure they arrested him. Immediately thereafter, let's check. Nope, he fled to Hong Kong. Okay. Which, now, honestly, if I was him, that's what I would do. That's pro. I mean, he probably speaks Chinese. That's a good spot to be. They I don't think have, that's a fair they don't assumption have to make. Particularly strong extradition laws, according to Batman: uh, The Dark Knight. Yeah, I mean, that's where I get most of my yeah information about, about extradition laws, which is why from, I don't know Kong. anything about extradition laws outside of China. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think according to uh, the, a major plot point in uh, The Dark Knight. Yeah, waiting for that uh, reboot. The Chinese will not uh, will not extradite a national. So he fled to Hong Kong, where he continued to form new businesses. But in 1998, 
declared bankrupt once again by Hong Kong courts. In the late 90s, he Couldn't ret- turn it around in six years. You, I mean, you know, that, that's... Some people never turn it around, Danger. Mm. Some people are born needing to turn it around, and they never do. And every now and then, they fall apart. What? Turn it around. Bright eyes. Every now and then, I get a little oh, bit okay. closer to the song, and then I don't know the word. Bonnie Tyler around. reference. Yeah. Okay. And then whatever uh, disco version they released in the 90s that I thought was the actual version of that, that song. That is definitely you know, not. Are, definitely you, not. No, I know. I know that now as an adult. In the 90s, I thought that was the original. Okay. Okay. You on. know what else happened in the late 90s? The next part. Norman Shue returned to the United States. Okay. Lived in California and New York for a while. Not a lot. This is a mysterious guy. We don't know a lot about this time period in his life, except that when people would meet him, he would introduce himself as, quote, an apparel executive, and he was somehow able to afford a luxury apartment in Manhattan. Huh. So something good must have happened to him in Hong Kong, or at least he got what he needed out of Hong Kong, and then he bailed in 1998. Something good, or he just stole a bunch of money from people. I think in that's Hong what Kong. I meant. For, you know, good for him is is you know. May, uh, there's a lot of good for me, bad for everybody else in these stories. So I'm thinking he might have fled. He might have fled some 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 situation. Yeah, uh, back in back in the old HK. Now uh, he here's the thing about Shu. He's not a member of the Democratic Party. He wasn't registered to vote. Uh, he did have that 92 felony conviction, but he technically would have been allowed to vote because in California and New York both, they have laws that prohibit imprisoned and paroled felons from voting. But according to Ryan King, a policy analyst with the nonprofit sentencing project, he was in a gray quote. He was in a gray area. He was eligible to vote until the moment he's sentenced to prison or parole. So he skipped a sentencing. So technically, he could still vote. You would be a crazy person to return to the United States and register to vote under those circumstances. Uh-huh. But technically, he was a registered voter. And uh, so this is around the time where he starts giving money to political campaigns. Yeah. First of all, whose money? Like, where is this, where is this coming from? We don't know. And also... That's why I think it could be a money laundering thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Yeah, that's likely it. I mean, with the the if he does have legitimate connections to the triads, that's a huge gang. Okay, like that's that's China's gang. Like that's their mafia, and they they operate here also. Okay, and there's there's three, there's three as part of the triad, or is that just like a cool name that they use? I don't know. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm sure there's no no meaning behind the name whatsoever. I don't know. I mean, what does mafia mean? Mafia means family. I mean, when you're here, you're family. I thought familia means family. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. You're making things up. The black hand is, is something else. La Costa Nostra. Don't be racist. I'm blanking. What do you got? So in 2003, this is when he makes his first political donation, or he makes uh, an initial donation to John Kerry, which, solid choice given that time frame. Uh, He quickly became known within the Democratic Party for his ability to raise large amounts of money by bundling campaign contributions. And this became a very controversial thing in terms of campaign finance laws. Basically, it just means he's pooling donations from friends and family and presenting it all as one big lump sum of money. And... It's believed that between 2003 and 2007, he raised over a million dollars for Democratic candidates and causes with the bulk of that money, $850,000, going to Hillary Clinton. He'd pledged to raise at least 100000 in bundled checks for her 2008 presidential bid, earning him, you ready for this danger, uh, Hillraiser status, because uh, it's like Hellraiser, but yeah, no, hill, hill you want to instead. Putting up a hill. I get it. And he had personally donated over $230,000 of his own money over several years. Oh. Still a lot. And had personally donated over $23,000 of his own money over several years. Here's the thing. This guy just shows up out of nowhere pumping dirty money to Democrats. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a money laundering thing, what's the chances someone was like, hey, go give some of that money to Democrats? Because uh, it is, 
it is a really handy issue to be like if you even suspect that one side is going to take money and not really check on it too hard that would be a really great strategy to just send someone to them and say hey take this money and uh give it to the democrats right i mean any political donation to any party or person is i mean you can't write it off there are a lot of rules around these kinds of things probably more rules now because of this guy uh but i mean are you sure i'm sure there's not like when was the last time we significantly changed campaign finance laws i don't know but i can tell you even for my piddly uh three thousand dollar grand total raising city council campaign like there was so much i had to report so much i had to like co-sign like the rules are labyrinthine. You're supposed to hire like a treasurer or be your own treasurer. It's a really, really, really serious thing. Do um, I have to give all other candidates running for city council in Glendale equal airtime on the podcast? No, no. That most would be, of, that would be most funny. of them suck. That would be uh, so there's funny. Some good people in there, but a lot of them. Totally good people suck. on both sides. Good sure. people yeah. on both Where sides I heard of the that Glendale before, City pal. Council uh, situation. I mean, there's not really sides in the Glendale City, city Council. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Council. Race? No, just no, just situation. I don't know. I'm really blanking. No, I have a long bike fine. ride today. Keep work. Keep on. Keep going. Right. No, but I mean, what you do when you donate to a political party or to any political cause is, uh, it asks you. And look, the biggest donation that I think I've ever made has been like twenty bucks. Um, but like they ask you, what is your who's your employer, um, and is this money coming out of your own bank account or is it coming from like a like a, a, a political action committee? That kind of thing. And that's pretty much it. Like the fact that this guy just swoops in and starts dumping money all over the place. These people are not checking where it's coming from. They're just saying, yay, money, thank you, and moving on. Like everybody assumes that money that money for these kinds of situations is 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 fine. Right. You know, like it they're just happy that they have it and they're going to use it and they're going to move on. Right. Um I think it's probably smart to double check some of these larger uh, some of these larger sums, but that takes resources and time and you kind of got to you kind of got to hope everybody that's giving you uh support is on the level. You know. Yeah. I mean that the fact that it's coming from one person but also from so many different people seems like a tactic to kind of shield both sides from yeah. Being yeah, able to say, weird. oh, yeah, I didn't know where that that particular, like, there's so many people involved, I couldn't track all the money. Uh, but in the the thing that makes, makes this or made this really interesting for the Clinton campaign is something happened in June 2007 that uh, made it seem as if maybe they knew about Norman Shu and what he had been up to well before the news came out and before they finally agreed to give the money back. And that was Orange County businessman Jack Cassidy, which is the most Orange County businessman name. <laughs> like what? I'm from there. I what can, season I did can, he I... play football for the Bills before retiring to be a lawyer? Uh-huh. Uh, he emailed the California Democratic Party to claim that Shoe's investment operation may not mm. be legitimate. Hmm. Shu had approached Cassidy's friend with an opportunity that Shu claimed offered 64% annual returns. Danger? That's a lot. That's crazy. That's a damn good investment. That yeah, that's I would invest in anything that mm-hmm. gave me like I would give you a dollar just to get the dollar 65 back next in year. In a year? Yeah, cuz why in not? A year. 65 cents I wouldn't have had otherwise mm-hmm. and I probably would have spent that dollar. <laughs> But uh, he was really vague on the details of the business itself, if you oh can imagine so that. It's just trust. All right, look, I went to go buy. Trustful! Yeah, I just went to go buy a car once. Uh, I found this car on Craigslist. I'm like, this is awesome. This is exactly the same my budget. That's eh, the top of my budget. I'm going to go check it out. Uh, I go up. It, the car's fine. I ask him, hey, can I see the uh, title and you know registration and all that? And the guy's like, no, don't worry about it. I'm like, um, <laughs> that is not the correct response. Uh, can I see the any? The, uh, and then he was like, it's in the trunk. N- no, he showed me a photocopy that was smudgy. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, all what right. Was it smudged with blood? It was smudged with, uh, clearly he was he was moving it around a little bit on the copier so that it would mm, kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, I used to do that all the time in high school. It makes some really interesting art projects, but not legally valid registration documents for sure. cars. 
Uh, yeah, the the creepiest thing you can possibly say when tons of money is moving around is don't worry about don't it. Don't worry about it. At that point, I'm going to worry about it or I'm going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So and, you bought that car and? And, and I crashed it and oh, nice. uh, I never paid the guy and it was awesome. That was nice. a fun weekend. Good job. We made a movie about it. So uh, according to the LA Times, after the party contacted the campaign about its concerns, a 23, the Clinton campaign, meaning... Uh, after the Democratic Party contacted the Clinton campaign about its concerns, a 23-year-old campaign official responded via email, quote, I can tell you with 100% certainty that Norman Shue is not involved in a Ponzi scheme. He is completely legit. Now, not and real- completely <laughs> Both real, real quick, both capitalized, which is seems like a weird unintentional error because the two words you're highlighting are not, not completely legit, uh, not involves completely legit, right? Um, I'm curious, uh, did anyone mention a Ponzi scheme or did this person just like, no, it's not a Ponzi scheme? Did he generate that? Uh, that's a good question because that's the kind of thing that, that sends people to prison on investigation discovery. Uh huh. They're like, wait, wait, we didn't say they yeah, were we, shot. Yeah. We just I said never mentioned... they died. Uh huh. How did you know about the shooting? Uh huh. And it's like, oh fuck. Right. Now, yeah. Now you're uh... you're not gonna pull my phone records, are you? Mm-hmm. And then Chris it's all over. So yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, and like, trust me, this twenty-three-year-old campaign official. By the way, official would have been a volunteer at best, and the volunteer would have been told, "Just tell this guy it's fine," and then that would have been it, right? From from the campaign, because the campaign has has more important matters to attend to. Uh, I'm this sure. is a pretty big matter, though. E- oh yeah, no, agreed. I, so I wonder how far up the chain. Because not only not only this concern if it's, went if it's because legit. now I'm like, what did they know before? Right, they but I mean, like, yeah, money back? even if. Uh, like, you look terrible if you are saying to voters, trust me, and then you're tr- putting your trust in someone who is not legit. You know, whether or not you're in on, on the scam or not, like, that still reflects really, really badly on you. And, like, y- you had a note that we skipped earlier, of like, do we think maybe that uh, someone was trying to make the Democrats look bad by associating them with this uh, with this person? Maybe is it, we didn't uh, skip that. I totally brought that up. Did you mention that? Oh my god! Where are you, Danger? I You're am, not here with me right buddy, now. I'm everywhere. I, I I rode my bike for 25 miles today. No one asked you to ride your bike here. But I mean, you're 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 concerned about my cardio and my heart health. No, I have no concern about that. My, oh. This podcast is my only concern. But I mean, yeah, I think it is possible that someone sent this guy to give this campaign money as a means of creating a scandal. Hmm. But at the same time, it's still kind of their fault for not looking into yeah, no, this no, no, guy you, more. This this makes you look really stupid. You have put your trust in the wrong person, uh, and that's it's going to bite you. It's going to yeah. bite hard. Uh, so this is once this happened. This is when it became that I I don't know. We'll play a little of this Fox News clip just oh, I, because on. I just love how fucking classic Fox News it is. They do all the things they hit on. You you'll hear them say the same phrase over and over and over and over. Things get a little racial at one second at one point. It's classic stuff. Big justice. Hillary Clinton is just now sending back those dirty campaign dollars from finally crooked Hillary. Norman Shue was allegedly warned about his shady operations back in June. The New York Daily News and the New York Post both reporting that the California pause. Those are not reliable sources. What did did they say? The New New York York Daily News. Daily News and the New York Post are fucking tabloids. Yeah, those are garbage. We know that. Anyway. California businessman sent a warning email to the California Democratic Party, which was then forwarded on to the Clinton campaign. In the email, he wrote, there is a significant probability that a man using the name Norman Shue is running a Ponzi scheme, which is a crime. The math does not work. One Clinton staffer, who incidentally no longer works for the campaign, mm. wrote back to the party saying the dirty donor was completely legit. That was before Shu was arrested last week. The mega fundraiser. Spoiler alert: This guy gets arrested for allegedly mm-hmm. violating election laws. So, how will this money scandal play 
in her presidential campaign. With me now, Fox News senior judicial analyst, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Shoe had bundled $850,000, which is a lot of money. There can't be any more than uh, 20 people like that for any particular campaign. He was the largest bundler is that a rule? for any campaign for president this year. And a bundler is a person who literally collects checks from colleagues since the federal statute, the McCain-Feingold Act, doesn't let you contribute more than $2,300. So he gets 400 people, and they each give a check for $2,300, and he hands all these checks over to Hillary Clinton. Now, uh, the Clinton people evidently knew about it, knew that he might be a problem. They also had gotten a warning from her personally. Watch out for donors with problems. I don't want to have this kind of trouble. Here it comes. Why'd they ignore it? They ignored it because they have a voracious appetite for mm. cash. He says this voracious appetite one, for one cash a minimum of five of, times among in this the interview. Bundlers, named the Paws, P-A-W. Yeah, I actually want to cut it off there because I want to talk about the pause before this guy does. Paw? So P-A-W, yeah. That's one of the crazy details about Norman Shue's campaign contributions. And one of the things that uh, once it was investigated in uh, August 2007 by the Wall Street Journal, they include in their story uh, information about his relationship with the Paw family, P-A-W, of Daly City, California. Like, it's my dog, Paw. I'll yes, handle it. just like that. Mm -hmm. The head of the Paw family household, William Paw, was a mail carrier earning approximately $49,000 a year. And they had recently refinanced their 1,280-square-foot house for $270,000. Yet, despite their modest income, it appeared they had donated $213,000 to Democratic candidates between 2004 and 2007 through Norman Shue. So this guy is That's sketchy. Okay, so this guy is saying that these, that these... I mean, let's just call them what they are. These poories, you know, these poveros... Yeah, uh, yeah, these uh, 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 these proletariats, or is it proletariat or plebeian? I can't remember. I think it's proletariat. So these these uh, poor people. Yeah, Shu was saying I'm giving uh, Hillary Clinton two hundred thirteen thousand dollars in their name, right? Right. Okay. So that doesn't sound like something they can afford, Aaron. And Aaron, Aaron, did you just call me Aaron? Did I call you Aaron? Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Uh, wow, Adam. How about you, Uber over here from now on? No. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, I don't think they can afford that, sir. No, they definitely cannot. And mm. that raised some eyebrows right. when when it came out. And it never really... Are they friends? The paws and the twos or the chews or whatever? I mean, obviously. He, All right. You know, uh, I, I think one of, the, one of the things that he's accused of is kind of offering people stuff in return for... Like what? Well, I mean, if it was a money laundering thing, it could just be like money back oh okay just a little onto the table leaving yeah. it on a shoebox it could be a, you know it could be anything hmm. but uh so after the wall street journal released the this investigation authorities confirmed that sue's 92 arrest warrant was still valid so, so that's this, convenient yeah this guy's been in the back in the country for almost a decade and no one's like hey we still owe him jail like, what What the hell? Well, that's, I mean, a warrant from 1992, though, as long as you don't get pulled over or arrested for anything, there's no, like... No, the, but he'd yet to be sentenced for a crime that he committed. Like, he committed the crime and everybody agreed, and then before getting the punishment, he was like, I'm gonna leave. Right, but, I mean, enough time passed that he was just able to come back without it... I mean, computer systems change. Like, 9-11 happened because the FBI and the fucking CIA wouldn't talk to each other. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't doubt that Norman Sue could have gotten back in the country despite a 1992 failure-to-appear warrant from Los Angeles County. Like, I've, L.A. is the kind of place where if you get pulled over for driving with no license and no registration, they're going to give you a ticket and tell you to come to court because they have actual criminals to arrest they have no problem filling the jails in la mm. and stuff like this isn't like no one's i promise you there wasn't a norman shoe unit of the lapd just waiting for this kind of low-level criminal at the time to like at that time he had only like stolen a million dollars stolen a million dollars but from a bunch of fucking shrimp boys in san francisco <laughs> so the police were probably like we don't fucking care 
But once all this happened, someone finally looks into his warrant and they find out the warrant's still valid. Which is also weird. It is 25 years old at that point, isn't it? Yeah, but I I assume skipping a sentencing hearing, there's probably not a, you don't get to just come back 10 years later like, (laughs) I beat you. Uh-huh. They're going to arrest you no matter what. All right. So on August 31st, 2007, he surrendered at the district courthouse in Redwood City, California. Beautiful Redwood City. You it's ever been there? Re- it is really, really nice there. I have not. I ju- it just sounds pretty. No, it's super pretty. I bet. Yeah. There's, uh, there's what do they got vi- up there? There's a video game studio. What do they got? What, um, what, do, they got? what do they got making the, uh, the wood red? What do they got? A paint? I mean, paint the, factory up there. I think there's a got a paint. I think there's a. You want to invest in my paint factory in Redwood I, I City? I want to say an iron, a concentration in iron and certain kinds of wood. Let's paint Redwood blue. Red. Uh, I mean, we'll take that Redwood, throw a little white, throw a little blue. American tree, right there. Mm. What do you think? I'm not into it. So he was only jailed briefly that day that until day? his. Well, his attorney posted two million dollars bail. <sighs> All right. As one does. Here's my question. And guess what he did next, Danger? Uh, failed to Failed disclose. to appear oh, okay. for a bail reduction hearing. And once again, they issued a warrant. But he was arrested the next day by the FBI at St. Mary's Hospital in Grand Junction, Colorado. Go uh, back to China, dude. What, he, okay. What? He had what? initially, and maybe he was planning to fly to China from somewhere further away because he oh, had initially- he down. He had initially boarded an Amtrak train headed for Denver, but was taken to the hospital after the train's engineer radioed that a passenger had fallen and needed medical attention. I've fallen and I can't get up. Mm -hmm. According to a fellow passenger, a bottle of prescription drugs and pills were found scattered around his cabin. Private cabin. Bougie. Yeah, exactly. You're killing yourself in a private cabin on a train? You at least ride that out first because that's Mm -hmm. living right there. Yeah. That's a fucking motel room on wheels. It's great. I've never had one. Uh, prior to boarding the train, Shu had reportedly communicated to associates that he was suicidal. Womp, womp. Wah, wah, wah. After his arrest, Clinton announced that she would return $850,000 in donations raised by Shu. Hillary's main rivals at the time, John Edwards and Barack Obama, were restrained in their criticism. Can you guess why? Uh, probably because did they get any money from this man? Obama did. He had received money from Shu that was donated to Obama's political action committee. Mm. Edwards did not receive money from Shu, but he had received money from some other shady motherfucker. So he mm. was like, mm-hmm. which that's also the the reason people claim. Clinton never pushed Trump on. Remember, there were like pedophilia accusations at one point. And people are like, mm, there's kind of those against Bill Clinton, too. Oh. So we just won't bring that up at all. Hmm. Yay, okay. politics. Uh-huh. Good times. So, yeah, he Obama had not taken money from Shu in his capacity as president, I don't believe, but when he was running his political action committee. Uh, so, however, in September that year, then Senator Obama introduced legislation to require federal candidates to reveal the names of bundlers who raised at least fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand dollars—that would have been it for their campaigns during the two-year period prior to election day. Okay, the legislation sounds- was never adopted. Oh, all right. But Obama voluntarily re- voluntarily released some of this information during his 2012 campaign. Finally, on November 27, 2007, a federal grand jury in New York indicted Shu on charges of violating federal campaign laws by illegally reimbursing investors for their political contributions and misleading investors by positioning his company, Next Components Limited, as short-term financing businesses. According to the indictment, he made false promises of guaranteed high rates of return on investments in the short term and providing guarantees on the long term term return of the principal investment that's a long way of saying get rich quick scheme yes Mm. and his victims testified that shu leveraged his political connections to appear more legitimate in the eyes of potential investors including playing this email or this voicemail from hillary clinton Four 
or the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Slow down for a few minutes. Uh, we're going to get to the end of the first quarter, and then we can what uh, the fuck was going on in the background? Uh, I think what was it? American commitment that Shouldn't put that uh, put that YouTube video online uh, with the caption: uh, "The Hillary Clinton professes love for convicted felon scam artist." They might have uh, they might have forgotten to you know turn their phones off before recording re recording oh. that up there. Clack, you couldn't just fucking upload it again. Mm, no, I don't think so. Was clearly, that was a recording of a recording of a recording. That's something that, like, Project Veritas and all those bogus right-wing, uh, look, they're evil-type operations that would, like, pass among yeah. themselves to prove that, like, oh, this person's bad. No, that, that phone call is, hey, you gave me $800,000. I'm going to give you a personal phone call to say thank you, and then I'm going to do the same thing to literally... A hundred other people. After I that. will call anyone personally who gives me, I don't know, hundred bucks. It's kind of low. Mm, maybe All right. volume. I'm, it's not going to be a long call, right? Yeah, you could. Live and it on... might be a collections call. I'll call and ask for more money. Oh, I mean that's also part of that. If you notice that in that can in that call, she said, uh, "Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna need you again at the beginning of next quarter." Yeah. So it was a mild collections call. Greedy ass. Dude, when you're campaigning, that is that is such a huge part of the campaign. It's just constantly asking people for more money. I'm campaigning for president of podcasts right now, so. Okay. If people want to give me more money. Who are you up against? Uh, nobody. Oh. Running unopposed. Uh-huh. So this is a direct quote from Norman Shue's indictment. As with all Ponzi schemes, Shue constantly needed to lure more money and more investors into the scheme. To do this, Shu raised raised his profile and his legitimacy in the eyes of investors by cultivating connections to preeminent politicians such as Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, and Barack Obama. Shu's victims testified that they were willing to invest in Shu without conducting sufficient due diligence because they believed that politicians with whom Shu associated had already vetted his integrity. Mm, Damn. Not as such. Nope. On May 27, 2009, he pled guilty in federal court to 10 counts of mail and wire fraud, but denied illegally making campaign contributions in other people's names. Come on, Norm. Later that month, however, he was convicted of four counts of violating campaign finance laws. On September 29th, at the age of 58, he died. Just joking. He was sentenced to 24 years and four months in prison. He'll probably be out by the time he's like, I don't know, 65, 70, Mm -hmm. living it up. Yeah, sure Ain't that always right. the way? It, it is indeed. I'm actually kind of surprised to hear this guy's still alive. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's up there in years, but he's still still living it up in prison right now. Mm-hmm. Two well, hots and a cop, baby. Yep. Probably charming the socks off the uh, the the one guy coming around with the with that library card. Yeah, yeah. Be like, he's got hey. people investing cigarettes. Yeah. He's like paying people. Look at my big old forehead. Stale cigarettes that the first people gave him, and he's smoking the fresh. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Shoe. Yeah. Shady bastard. Pronounce your name with integrity, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I always hate that when people mm-hmm. pronounce their own names wrong. So that's that's the story of Norman Shoe. So con artist. Con artist like every other kind of con artist. Con artist, like, his, his but whole... also a chaos agent, perhaps. Okay. <laughs> yes, also potentially a chaos agent. Although, look, how... Ugh, I mean, either... Uh, the Dems are shady, didn't do enough research, and look at all this money that they got. All right, cool. Or the Republican or the, the right wing people are shady, trying to get this guy to uh, tarnish the reputations of other people. Honestly, like, well, I it can't, could be a combination of both. Maybe might be a one side knew the other side isn't looking that hard into. That'd be a pretty deep cover operation on the on the on the part of the right wing. However, if they're like, hey, go be friends with all these people for a decade. And then, or for six years, rather, he started donating in in well, two thousand and three. Just this guy, right? And then he was the one out soliciting donations. Maybe they just recognized his ability to fundraise. Yeah, and maybe he believed his own bullshit of just like these people like me for me, and I'm only doing this other thing so that I can stay in these circles. And then, because like the, the con artist angle, having the the email from Hillary Clinton to play to people is real practical for a con artist because you can oh, just yeah. say yeah oh what you you, you think i'm not friends with uh, with the h dog let me play you a little something something here. you think he said h dog i think that guy said whatever he needed to say 
I hope up to and including H Dog. I hope it was H Dog. Yep. So we should get out of here. When does this go up? Uh, it'll be around the like twenty fourth, twenty fifth, something like that. That's a fine day. Yeah. For the release of. So what do we have going on? Our what live- we have going on is apparently a need for stronger campaign finance reform, which got gutted with the Citizens United decision of a few years ago. But also the live podcast at the Hollywood Hotel, January 27th. Yeah. Come out to that, too. I think How we're did- just watching a movie for that one, <laughs> and we're going to talk over it. <laughs> is that like there's a substitute teacher today? I'm going to play you Amistad instead of teaching you? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, how did Chet do after uh, after the last one? Go back and listen to the least anticipated podcast of the cool. week and hear him I'm talk. I've it. talked. To, I've edited myself talking about it out of several podcasts. Otherwise, people because everyone asks, and I'm just going to have to tell the same mm-hmm. story eight times on different podcasts. Yeah, starting to worry a little bit about Chet. He didn't do good. Yeah. He did very bad. Did not think the bad he was things gonna, yeah. at the uh, podcast for sure. For, uh, yeah. Anything, do you have tape. anything else to plug? Do I have anything else to plug? Okay, yes, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I mean, I mean, first plug, naturally, obviously, the one right up top, right up at the tippity top. Go ahead. Countless thousands. Go listen to our music. We're very good. Countlesshousands.bandcamp.com. Uh, also, I'm a wedding photographer. Hire me to take pictures at your wedding. Vanguarderphoto.com. It's, it's hard out here for a gangsta. Uh, and number three, uh, the cities of Glendale, Inglewood, Pasadena, Long Beach, unincorporated parts of Los Angeles County. I was going to question your gangster claim until you listed I, all those cities. No, I'm, now yeah. I kind of buy it. Okay. Uh, each of these cities are running a rent control campaign. Uh, should you be in the area and wish to volunteer, you totally should. Uh, we need to collect uh, thousands of signatures to get rent control uh, on our, on the November 2018 ballots. We're going to be running some crowdfunding campaigns here and there. It's going to be a good time. Uh, and just, you know, care. Care about your community. Do you need Show me up. to leave you a voicemail that you can play for people when trying to persuade them? I can to just I can just point sign. them to this podcast and say that clearly I haven't edited myself into this podcast as in a show of... Of, although it's it's a little easier to fake these things these days with Adobe Audition, you know, uh, whatever whatever program you use. What is it? Audacity. 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 A little easier to fake things. All right, these we're days. getting a little off track. We should get the fuck track. out of here. Sure. Danger. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Be honest. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs>